Amen. Well, we are in a series here called In Troubled Times and uh, learning how to say it is well no matter what's going on. And each of us has different things going on in our heart that make that more or less of a struggle. So we talked all through the greatness of God in the month of June, and we were talking about him as a mighty fortress and how we can lean on him and know of him. And so then how come we don't do that? And so that's what we're walking through in this series, In Troubled Times. And we're talking through four different facets of the heart. So let's just throw the first slide up here. Just a reminder, we're talking through the four facets of the heart. And so you can see the bottom right, we started with fear. And when we're broken with fear, when we're not trusting our God, then this whole thing wells up inside that says, I've got to take control, right? High fear equals high control. We talked about that several weeks back. And fear, it so often grips our soul. What's really going on? We're like, God, I don't know if you've got this. Not that we won't pass the quiz, right? If somebody was like, do you think God has this? Right? The answer would be, well, yeah. And then we start living it and we're like, I don't know. And we start gripping tighter, right? That's the heart of fear. Trust is the healing fix there. Trust is where we're headed. God, shape and change that facet of my heart. May your glory pour in, take the fear out and bring the trust in. That's the first. The second one is despair. Pastor Steve talked about that. And despair is this moment where you're like, it's, it's hopeless. Like, I don't know if God really loves me. The first is, I don't know if God's got it. The second is, I don't know if God cares. Despair, like I, I just feel like I'm tasting so much here that maybe God doesn't really care about me in this. And there's a hopelessness that starts settling in. But you notice as God begins to do a healing on that despair, what's the word that comes out? Hope. Like my God does care. My God does love me. He is invested in. And so the fear moves to trust. The despair moves to hope. And then Pastor Mitch was talking last week about foolishness. Like in each moment, I'm going to try to satisfy myself and I'm going to take a little moment of just bringing something of this physical world in and use that to satisfy rather than God himself, right? But instead, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Man, if we're going to set down foolishness, we have to pick up this one statement. God is so worth knowing. He is absolutely satisfying. And so the fear moves to trust, the despair moves to hope, the foolishness moves to being satisfied in our God. And today now we're going to be talking about anger or self-rule. That's that last one up there, anger. This is the one where you're like, I want it my way, right? Where there's this raising up and even this bursting out to ensure you get what you want. Now, I want to be really careful here. There's a couple of different times where anger can come out. And in fact, when you go into a fear moment and you feel like something is absolutely at high risk, oftentimes we might bring an anger into that moment, right? You can only imagine like you're, maybe you're out on the uh, driveway and you see your child start running out into the street and a car is coming and, and you're not like, oh, sweetie, I don't know if I do that, right? That's not how we were like, stop, don't. All of a sudden we're raising up loud. We're like, we get this adrenaline rush pump and that's a different thing. That's something that's coming under the fear domain, and we're beginning to try to protect and raise up. That's a certain type of expression we call anger, but that's not what we're talking about today. 
Today we're talking about, no, dude, I want it my way, right? That's what we're talking about today. Some of you in here are like, oh, good, I'm really happy I came today to hear this. <laughs> this is something I'm struggling with. And others of you are like, oh, good, I'm glad we came today. Somebody needs to hear this, <laughs> right? And uh, like, just when we wrestle with this, this is a very hard moment. Look, every facet of the heart broken needs to be healed. And all of God's people said, and when we demand our way, that needs to be healed as well, okay? And so if you are struggling with a self-rule, with an anger, man, surrender is the fix, handing it over to God. So what does it look like to surrender to God? How do I begin this surrender? Well, it's recognizing him for who he is and handing it over. So point number one, here we go. He is the eternal creator. Man, you're going to need to recognize this. If you're wrestling with a I want it my way plan, you're going to first and foremost need to recognize he is the eternal creator. He is absolutely and fully in charge. Eternal creator. We're here in Psalm 90, and if you notice the first words that are written after that giant number 90 gives you a little explanation of what's coming. This says, a prayer of Moses. This is a song that Moses wrote probably towards the end of the wilderness journey as he was leading the Israelites, and he's doing a little bit of a reflective moment here. And Moses, talking about his God, he says, Lord, notice how it's spelled, capital L, little O-R-D. Okay, this is different than the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This isn't in all caps. This is not his personal name. This is not the name Yahweh coming up here, personal name of God so powerful and with me. No, this is the name Lord, meaning Adonai in Hebrew. It's the positional statement of God, not the personal statement of God. He's in charge. He is master. That's what that word means. Master, in fact, just so you know, the Jews would never say the word uh, Yahweh for fear that they might take the Lord's name in vain. They would always replace it with this word. Adonai gets replaced in it so that they're not mistaking his name. He's like, uh, you're the one in charge. You have been our dwelling place in all generations. You have been our dwelling place. Like you are our safety. You are our security. You're our home. You're our hope. Every single one of us leaning on you all generations. This isn't just a one shot, one moment, one time. God, you have been with me and with all of us. Specifically here, he's talking about the Jewish nation in all the generations. He says, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Like, like from the beginnings of time, from before the mountains were created, from before there was anything put in place creation-wise, from before all of that, you are God. Everlasting to everlasting. There is no beginning and there is no end and all of this physical stuff is dependent on you and you aren't dependent on any of it. You are in charge. God Almighty. That's a huge deal. You are God. And everybody just say that phrase with me. You are God. Absolutely huge that we grasp the authority of God Almighty. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth or the world, 
You are the creator and you're in charge and you have eternity in your past and eternity in your future. He then begins to speak, Moses does. He writes this down like, hey man, for those who are struggling with God in charge, check this. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. You return man to dust, like we are created from dust, and to dust we will return. Genesis 3, 19, God is talking to Adam, and he's like, because of the sin that's happened with you and Eve, he's, he says, by the sweat of your face, you shall now eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Man, please hear me on this. The pain in this world, the struggle in this world, even the death in this world is due to our sin. We ushered it in, our sin. And as God rightly established, this is the consequence of it. We need to know and grasp and understand that God remains in charge over it. And he's like, return to dust. God is just maintaining the consequence that was stated in Genesis chapter 3. And uh, it will be at God's command, O say, return, O children of man. And then he says, for a thousand years in your, are in your sight, uh, are but as yesterday when it is past. A thousand years, like yesterday. And uh, it just blips by for God. A thousand years just seems to go like nothing. Right? You can imagine, right? Like when, remember back when you were like in second or third grade, when every day of school seemed like an eternity, Right? You're like, oh my word, every time you look up at that big clock with the black hand going around and it's like, it's moved like two minutes. What's going, right? Just slowly as it goes by. That's third grade. Then you get up to like seventh and eighth grade and maybe even into high school. Now you're like bouncing between classes, right? The 50 minute thing comes up and it seems to go by pretty quickly and time's moving a little faster. You're maybe doing some things socially with friends or connecting in with the school. Time seems to be at a little bit of pace, but I mean, let's be real. Four years of high school, it did over the course of time seem to grind a bit, right? Then you get to college and like, Four years, I mean, nowadays, right, you end up graduating from high school with multiple credits already. You're headed for college. College goes so fast in the four, actually, maybe even into three or three and a half. It's like you blink and it's gone. Speaking as a parent having kids in college, man, is it like you blink and it's gone, right? It just, time starts flying as you start to mature and have a longer perspective. And can you imagine what time is like for God? And he's like, I'm telling you, a thousand years, it's like one day. Then he says, well, maybe, or as a watch in the night, that's four hours. He's like, never mind with the 24-hour day, it's more like four hours. A thousand years, like four hours, just flies by for God. He is so got it in hand. Man, if we're going to understand what to do with our heart of anger, if we're going to learn to surrender, we need to know who we're surrendering to. And all of God's people said, and this huge statement of he is eternal from eternity past to eternity future. He is creator. He speaks and it exists. He is in charge. Okay. So there's this guy. He uh, comes to God and he says, hey, God, 
I got a couple questions for you. So, what is a hundred million years like to you? A hundred million years, what's that like to you? God's like, hundred million years? It's like a second. It flies by. It's like a second to me. It's like, okay, another question. God, what is, what is a hundred million dollars like to you? And God's like, a hundred million dollars. It's like, that's like a penny. He's like, ah, oh, hey, God, can I, can I have a penny? <laughs> and God's like, just a second. <laughs> can you hear? People are figuring it out. Just give it a second. It's hilarious. Man, just so you know, God has a perspective we do not have. God is so much more massive than we are. God sees things in a way we do not see. God is awesome in all that he is, all that he says, and all that he does. And all of God's people said, and a simple question, man. Are you more wired into what you want in this world? Or are you more wired into what that God wants of you in this world? Are you like, God, what is your plan? Where are you headed? What do you want? And that needs to be where we head on this. He is the eternal creator. Okay. Second, his wrath is just and formidable. His wrath is just and formidable. Yes, he is eternal. Yes, he is creator. Yes, he is just. And yes, there is wrath involved with our God. He does take a stand against sin. Absolutely important that we grasp this. These are some heavy truths about our God. And if we're going to deal with a heart that's trying to stand alone and say, I want it my way then we need to make sure we grasp who this God is in full, okay? He says here, you sweep them away as with a flood. Remember, he's talking about man that he is now bringing back to dust. He's like, you sweep them away as within a flood, just kind of fast in a way. Like our lives seem somewhat short and temporary and they are like a dream. Have you ever had those dreams where like you have it, you wake up, maybe it's two, three, four in the morning, and you're like, wow, I got to remember this dream. And then by the time you wake up at seven, you're like, I have no idea what I dreamed, right? They go so fast, they're so fleeting, we can barely remember. And he's like, just so you know, the lives of those in humanity who live here on this earth, swept away in a flood, like a dream. Man, our lives are short here. We keep trying to make it all about us. I'm so important. And Moses is at the end of his life, and he's like, we need to really grasp this. God is so important, and I am so not. May it be all about my God, lifted up and celebrated. He's like, like a grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening, it fades and withers like the grass that requires watering. And within a day, we see it begin to flourish and we see it begin to fade, right? Good time to talk about this in July as the rains have been coming pretty regularly. This is the most green my grass has been in July for quite a while, right? And uh, just so you know, we do the natural watering plant, right? So if God doesn't rain, bring rain, then it doesn't rain on our little lawn and it stays a different color than green. And we believe that God loves all colors, 
<laughs> including little bits of brown. And our neighbors may disagree with us, but that's where we stand, right? And uh, hey, man, God's been keeping the lawns pretty green right now, but he's like, let's keep this really clear. Our lives as humanity, man, just like in one day where we get refreshed and even then where we get brittle by the end of the day. There's a quickness to our lives. And uh, he says, for we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath, we are dismayed. We are brought to an end by your anger. We have to keep this in mind, man. God is in charge in this world. God is dealing with sin and God is making sure that he is going to be just and right in all that he does. There is a bringing of consequence into this world. And yes, we are dealing with hurt and heartache in this world because of our sin. And uh, that's ushered in a general brokenness to this world. It doesn't mean that every single time I'm struggling with something, there was a direct sin I just did that was tied to that. Everybody say, doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that, but it could mean that just in general, in this broken world, you're dealing with a broken moment. And all of it, in the end, is in our hands. And God taking that very seriously, and praise God for this, he gives a solution, Jesus Christ. And while his anger and wrath do well up, Jesus Christ went to the cross for you and for me. And that wrath, that anger poured onto Christ, covering sin for us. We have hope. We have a God who loves. We have a God who's reaching in. We have a God who has a plan. And he is taking care of us. And know this, and righteous to the core. Sin is a big deal to God. So much so that Jesus Christ came and paid a price for you and for me. And all of God's people said, may we take sin seriously. And he's like, let's be super clear on this. God's anger and God's wrath. Just so you know, those are two different words in the Hebrew. One, the anger word there means more like the internal welling up, right? Almost more an emotional conversation, just the feelings that you have, the position that you're taking, and the wrath is then the expression out of it rightly and appropriately by God. And uh, so notice he says, your wrath and your anger, man, they're a big deal to us. We're put in our place. We are dismayed, right? Like, so hang on, I thought we were talking about anger today and how to get anger fixed, and now I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, God's angry, so, so how does that all play out? And we got to make sure we really understand this. Not all anger is sin, right? Ephesians actually says, be angry and sin not. Like, there can actually be an anger that's expressed that is sinless, and then there's an anger that's expressed that is completely wrong. And uh, so I just wrote these words down. Anger, what's a good definition of it? Anger, it's when you defend what you love. Anger, it defends what you love. Just so you know that, whenever it's rising up, there's something you're protecting right now that really, really matters to you. Anger defends what you love, okay? So what does it look like to have righteous anger? What does it look like to properly defend? So here we go. Uh, righteous anger, here's five elements that are true about God's anger. Uh, number one, it is always on the right grounds. It is always on the right grounds. He's like, he gets upset about the right things and he never gets upset about the wrong things. It is always on the right grounds. 
It is looking at sin and it is taking a very strong position against sin. It is always on the right grounds. Here's the second one. It is always at the right person. It is always at the right person. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? There's a moment where something happens. Somebody kind of does something to you. You get a little bent. You're like, hey, what, what is with that? Like it kind of hurts you, but you don't want to bring it out right there. You're actually kind of reeling. You're surprised they even said it, whatever. Maybe you're afraid to bring it because it's something else. And you're like, am I going to say it? But man, that was not cool, right? So now you walk away and you're steaming. I can't believe he said that. What in the world was he thinking? You get over here and then somebody else does something really, really little, but you're really, really amped, right? And they do this little thing and you're like, hey, and it's being delivered out, but it's all at the wrong person. God never does that. It's on the right grounds. It's at the right person. It's in the right manner, uh, whether that be an action or a tone of voice or words, in the right manner, God always appropriately managing as he deals in this world. Uh, his anger is always in the right manner, on the right grounds, at the right person, in the right manner, at the right moment, at the right moment. You know, have you ever had those things where, like I was just saying, you get hurt, you get upset, you walk away, days go by, weeks go by, months go by, now you come back and you blow up. Maybe it's even at the right person. Maybe you even decided to use the right words and all that stuff, but it is so untimed to what was going on. It is so detached from what already took place. The person might actually have this phrase to you. Dude, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't even remember that, right? We, sometimes we wait so long to try to make it safer before we talk to someone, and we have to be super careful with that. God, he always makes sure it's on the right grounds, at the right person, in the right manner, at the right moment. And then the last one, for the right length of time. For the right length of time. That's a huge one when it comes to godly anger. And uh, it's not the seething, never gets resolved, upset for 43 years over an event that happened way back here, and it's already been dealt with, right? And uh, that bitterness just eats us alive. We have to be super careful with that. That's divine anger. And uh, you can notice how often we get close on one or two of those, and then the other three, we're like, ugh, right? And uh, everybody's sitting quietly, like it's just me. So I'm going to say that again. You can notice... Uh, we get right on one or two of those, and then on three of them, we're like, uh, right? Everybody, that's where there we go. So join me in this. This is where we often take godly anger and veer off one or two or three of these moments. And, and uh, unfortunately, we try to have an anger uh, that does good, and it rarely does, right? James 1.20, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. James 1.20. Be super careful in trying to use your anger to get stuff accomplished. It rarely gets it done. And uh, feel so vindicated and righteous in the moment and not appropriate. Right? So uh, some of you might be like, yeah, but once I get to that moment, it's already blowing. What do I do? And so I just wrote a few words down here. These are fruits that indicate that you've got it brewing already inside. Okay. So here's some fruits of an angry heart that it's good to know and have uh, an awareness of. Here's the first fruit, interrupting. Did you know that? You're like, what? This seems really subtle. Interrupting. When somebody's talking to you, you're like, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know, I got it, I got it. Because 
You're like, I don't want you to be in charge of me. I'm taking control of this conversation. Interrupting. Yeah, I, I, right, right. I know, I know, I got it. I got it, okay? That's actually a little bit of an angry heart stepping up to say, uh-uh, self-rule right here. You do not rule me, right? So watch your interrupting. And uh, if you're in a family where you've been notified of your interrupting skill set, uh, take heed of that, man. Be aware. Don't let that run amok, all right? Here's another one. Um, manipulation. Manipulation. Where you try to say things or do things to hurt someone or move someone to get them to a position. Do you find yourself often trying to navigate, how can I get them to do this? Are you playing a little bit of a manipulation mind game and much of your words or your actions are trying to put someone in a certain place or action or thought? Be super careful. That's usually an indication of self-rule. You're trying to take over and control at high levels, okay? Uh, Impatient. Impatient. Anger has a fuse that is so, so short, right? Impatient. Critical. High evaluation of others where you begin to speak harshly of them, either to their face or behind their back. Critical. And the more critical you are, the more you're probably brooding on a self-rule and angry heart kind of moment. Be careful. And, uh, and if you have gifts of insight and discernment and those tend to blow you into critical thoughts, but those critical thoughts get you pretty upset with other things, and be careful. You're fueling a fire of anger that needs to be brought down. Okay? And then the last one that goes with critical is uh, harsh humor. Sarcasm. That's actually a strong indicator. If you're beginning to use cutting, digging humor, if you prefer to sort of humiliate another person and then smile, if this is your phrase a lot, just kidding. If that's your phrase a lot, heads up. You've got some brooding things going underneath about self-rule and anger and you're looking to put people in their place. Just kidding. Jam. Just kidding around, man. I, I wasn't serious. Don't take, me, don't take me seriously as you step back a little bit and then later on bring a little bit more of something else. Be super careful with those fruits. Those are the subtleties behind anger. They're actually, we let go all the time. We're like, oh, I was just joking, right? Oh, yeah, you know, they tend to say some firm words here and there and want me in places. They know what they want, but, but you know, they're willing to take no for an answer. And be careful with those kind of conversations. Don't dismiss the fruits, as you get aware of those and you start seeing how those are you welling up going, why are they doing that? <laughs> like, I, I get over here. Like, all of a sudden you start to realize, ooh, I got more of this burning in me than I thought I had. Right? Let's be really, really cautious to anger in our lives. God's anger, absolutely perfect. Everybody say, his is perfect. Everybody say, mine ain't close. Not even close. And we have to be super careful with that, right? All right. He now says here, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. God's anger, what is it expressed against? Our sin, and yes, even our secret sin. Oftentimes, you will find the person that has brooding deep anger within is actually the person 
that is sitting with some kind of sin that they know they need to get rid of and they have yet to have found a way to get victory over and it's crushing them. And they're sitting privately on it and they may even be sensing God's push down into their lives and they're wrestling with that and man, do you have some hidden sin in your life that you know needs to be handed over to God? Is there something that you know you've been thinking or doing or looking at, or you're a part of that needs to stop. I mean, when you look across three services with church this size, we are bound to have at least one or more people in here who is wrestling with, ready? With an affair or contemplating the affair. Set it down. Please be careful, man. When you start toying with sin and saying, I will do it my way. There is such high cost to that. Set the sin down before your God and let him lead. And all of God's people said, okay. So Billy Graham had a great illustration on this. Um, He's like, man, just imagine one of those days where it's just so hot out. It's like the 105 degrees. Kind of hard to imagine for us right at this moment, right? We're getting all this beautiful weather, but 105, 110 degrees, it is sweltering. The humidity is so hot. As you walk out, you just feel yourself immediately get sticky, you know, that kind. You come out, you're standing on this asphalt driveway. It is so hot on your bare feet. You can't even stand on it. You have to put shoes on to go stand out there. So you go inside, you go into the fridge, you grab a stick of butter, you come outside, you take it out of the paper, and you throw it on the ground. Imagine what happens, right? It doesn't take hardly any time at all, and that butter just starts to liquefy and melt and go out into a puddle of glorious butter, right? <laughs> For those of you who love butter, right? It's just, you're like, why did you waste a good stick of butter? I hate this illustration, right? Whatever. There's butter all over the ground. It's just liquefied out, right? Now imagine you go back in the house and you grab this potter's clay that you form with and you walk out and you throw it down on the ground on the hot asphalt. And the potter's clay, in the heat of the sun, it begins to harden. It does the exact opposite. It's the same asphalt driveway, it's the same heat of the day, it's the same sun beating down and two completely different reactions. Now it's you before your God. And our God in his position towards sin is like the sun and the heat of it. Are you the butter that melts underneath and says, I surrender God, you're in charge? Or are you the clay that goes, hardened? Do not tell me I'm wrong. I will have my way. Man, as you come before your God, who is righteous, who is just, who is absolutely correct in all that he says and does, become butter before him and surrender and let your God lead. You're in charge, God. Take over in my life. So which are you? Are you the butter? Or are you the clay? Which is it? Make sure you get real, man. Take a moment here to get very real with your God. What sin are you holding on to that you know needs to go? God, I'm ready to hear from you. You're in charge. You're in 
charge. All right, number three. See your weakness and humble yourself under his mighty hand. See your weakness and humble yourself under his mighty hand. He says, for all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. All our days, they come up short, man. It's like a sigh. You know how fast a sigh is, right? He's like, everybody just do it with me. How fast is a sigh? He's like, that's how fast life is. That fast. It seems to end so quickly. He's like, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. And some of you in here who are in your 70s are like, or 90, right? And just so you know, when Moses wrote this, he was probably running close to 120 years old, but the average age was somewhere in the 50 to 60 range. So as he was writing this, he's like, man, get good with your God and watch God bless. And even up into years, 70s and 80s, and praise God, we see a lot of those kind of years now in our lifespan. But he's basically saying, come on, man, it's short, relatively speaking, to the thousands and millions of years of eternity. We're in the tens of years with us, short and... uh, Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Life is hard. And we wrestle. And God's got a plan. May we lean on him and trust in him. And as you walk through this world that does have toil, remember, first pole in the tent of suffering well is God, I recognize that the hurt in this world is from sin and I'm a part of that. Lord, I get that you are righteous and I get that I am not and I'm leaning on you. And he's like, just know this, that in this heartache of a world that is short and there's high toil, God is in charge over it and we're trusting him to manage it. Praise God, we have a savior, Jesus Christ, who when he returns, will be declaring this about the future heavens. No pain, no sorrow, no heartache, no toil, no trouble, all resolved and all done. Praise God, man, over. Don't miss the mark and try to declare that about this world. That's the wrong plan. We're going to be walking through some toil and trouble here. Lord, teach me to say it is well. It is well with my soul. I'm leaning on you with all I've got. You're in charge. I cannot wait for eternity and perfection. May you deliver up. Jesus Christ, he is our hope. And all of God's people said, amen. He says here now, Who considers the powers of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? He's like, why do we keep missing this? Lord, you're in charge and you've got it together. So here's some thoughts, Lord. I'd love to see this happen. Here's some verbs, ready? So teach, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom, that we may get a heart of wisdom. I love Moses' uh, passion there. Live wisely. You remember Lance Armstrong, right? And his phrase was, live strong. And Moses' phrase is, live wise. Way better. It's not about you and your personal strength and your self-rule. It is about God in charge and, Lord, your strength, your wisdom, your power. And uh, teach us to get there, Lord. He says, return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Lord, we long for your presence. We long for the satisfaction that comes from you. He says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. 
that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Find your satisfaction in God in charge. Find your satisfaction in the beauty of him pouring into your life. Lord, I long to meet you and know you in ways I never did before. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Surrender before him and watch God move mightily. It says that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. He's like, God, I can't wait to see your hand in restoration in our lives, both in the near term and in the eternity to come. You're in charge. God, may you do a mighty work. He says, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Unleash who you are in my life. Let that settle, man. Unleash who you are in my life. That is a monstrous prayer. And the surrender of that is amazing. And what God does through that is stunning. I'm telling you, we have people come in all the time who are in the anger bucket to get counseling. They're not usually there because they've decided they want counseling. They'll walk in and they'll say words like this. All right, here's what you need to do. I don't know if you hear that subtlety, but I'm in charge in this room now. Here's what you need to do, self-rule. Do this, all right? And then the next thing, all right, here's what I need you to do with my spouse. I need you to get them to, are you hearing it? None of it is surrender. All of it is using the room to try to manipulate and twist and shape people to get other lives in order. I'm fine. Y'all aren't. Get that figured out, right? Is that you? Do you find yourself often in that bucket? Man, it's time to say, Lord, make me butter. Melt me before who you are. You're in charge, not me. He says here, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Lord, may you bring favor, may you establish, may you make rock solid. We do because your blessing. Some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. Man, I'm telling you to see this auditorium on fire last week during VBS with 750 plus kids every night going off on worship. Massive praise. Never seen it before, but we had a giant curtain call at the end where it ended and they're like, no way. And they started chanting out, one more song, one more song. And the worship team lit it up with an unbelievable vertical worship as this room went nuts for the greatness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Man, I am telling you, it was awesome to see God worshiped in this place from the littlest to the oldest. It was all about him. Make your life that all about him I surrender God it isn't me in charge it's you in charge and all of God's people said let's pray